It is 6.37. That means it's time to check in with Rob Shaw, political correspondent with Czech News. Rob, good morning to you. Good morning, Jill. I think this story is going to get people talking, and you have just published a column about the raises that have been given to political staffers. So what is happening here? Yeah, this is an interesting one. There are people that are called uh, chiefs of staff who work for ministers. They sort of are running the offices that uh, that the ministers have, but they're they're what we, what we would consider to be partisan appointees. You know, they're not nonpartisan civil servants. They're not hired through a sort of merit based process. Uh, they are new Democrats, partisan new Democrats, often the young sort of hyper partisans who run around assisting ministers uh, in their offices. They received in the last five months two very large pay increases that were very quietly done by Premier David Eby's office. And for some of them, uh, it is, has been worth as much as 17% uh, increase to their pay or $17,000. So there's the issue of kind of the size of the pay increase, um, which is much larger than anyone else uh, has received in the public sector, teachers, nurses, anyone else uh, in, in the last uh, you know round of contracts signed by the government. But then there's a kind of long-standing um, sort of delicate threshold that exists at the legislature where the staff of the ministers have always earned less than the MLAs. So the political staff earn less than the elected officials. And that's because they're all running around the hallways. They're all, you know, kind of um, yeah, participating in the process, but the MLAs are the system. They're elected. They earn, you know, around $115,000 and the new pay hikes for these political staff are $122,000. So for the first time, the assistance to the ministers have leapfrogged the elected officials. And that threshold, you know, has been flirted with by the previous BC Liberal and John Horgan administrations. They always sort of stop short because there's a lot of backbench MLAs who ran for office, got elected, um, who don't like the idea of, as Mike Duffy called them um, infamously, federally, kids in short pants <laughs> running around earning more money than they do, um, often in their first job. And uh, that sort of, um, I think, delicate balance there is potentially a bit of an issue for the EB government, uh, depending on how its backbench of, of MLAs uh, feel about um, young kids uh, earning more money than they do. Is that why, do you think that this didn't get, it wasn't put out there, it's not like there was a news release about it, it wasn't being talked about when it was done, it was quite quiet until you started writing about it? Yeah, I think... That is part of it, for sure. The NDP caucus was never told of any of these decisions, which were made over the last five months. So all of these pay increases occurred uh, in two steps over five months, and the elected officials didn't know about them until yesterday. Uh, it, I think it is a delicate subject that you could make an argument was not well handled by the premier's office. Um, I don't know why they chose this time to give these raises uh, in the way that they did. Uh, but they did, uh, you know, the opposition BC United has jumped all over this saying, look, like, you know, this is more than the public sector is getting. It's coming at a time of, of affordability challenges with interest rates uh, going up. And it's coming at a time 
uh, where MLAs all agreed to freeze their salaries in the last year in recognition of those affordability challenges from all parties. So the elected officials freeze their salary, the politicians talk about affordability, and then the branch of the EB uh, Premier's office jacks the pay quietly uh, for the chiefs of staff. Those things don't look good, and I think that's one of the reasons why this was done very quietly, and, and also why the New Democrats have taken steps to make sure you can't really find out about it. Um, the paper record of this doesn't exist because they've changed the way that salaries get disclosed, uh, and so... It's not possible when someone is hired to figure out their salary anymore. Uh, you get these things called bands instead, and the bands get quietly adjusted to go up, and people in the bands get quietly, um, you know, uh, given extra increases, and there's no record publicly of that. And so it's hard to keep track of what's going on within the millions of dollars that get spent in and around political staff. And that's a, that's a deliberate decision by the NDP government uh, and one that they know they know what they're doing when they do it. And, and I think it's to avoid kind of having to talk about this kind of stuff. And so this is uh, this is for about uh, you've written uh, about 20 chiefs of staff that are getting these raises. What is the premier saying about this now that it's out there and, and you've written about it and we're finding out about these big pay increases? How is the premier defending this? Well, the statement from the premier's office is that the chiefs of staff are highly skilled individuals who manage ministers' offices uh, and provide executive level support to ministers um, and that they need to do this to help with a recruitment and challenge during a labor shortage uh, and that these chiefs of staff are still paid less than their equivalents in Alberta and Ontario, for example. And I think, you know, that would... That works when you're talking about the civil service. So someone hired to be a nonpartisan civil servant to oversee, you know, agriculture policy or something like that. It's a harder argument when you're talking about very hyper-partisan people, folks who come from volunteering on a new Democrat campaign and then are given a job working for a minister or come from the youth wing of the new Democrat party or come from, you know, a, a previous part within the party. And are they, these are jobs that aren't posted they're jobs that you don't go through competitions to win. They are cabinet orders that mm. are given to partisans. They're not given to anyone other than people who are loyal New Democrats. And BC United, green people are not getting these jobs. And so it's the recruitment argument, I think, is a little bit rich. There's no recruitment problem to hire hyperpartisans uh, during a labor shortage, uh, especially when there are no other New Democrat governments, uh, essentially, in, in, the, in the country. So I'm not sure that makes any sense. I think what it really is is pressure inside the NDP government year six of, of office for people jockeying for titles, jockeying for salary, people wanting their pay increased. Um, people, and, and governments get like this, you know, they've been in power for a while. They think, you know, you, I'm entitled to my entitlements and I would like more money now. Thank you very much. And they do do hard, like there's no question that chiefs of staff do difficult jobs in a sense that they have to sometimes handle mercurial ministers and work long hours uh, and that type of thing. Um, but, but they are unique jobs. Uh, and I think for the public, they are sensitive jobs. And it's part of, it's part of a larger, I think, concern about how the sort of EB government is, is or isn't sort of tuned into the public sentiment during this affordability challenge.
chatting with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. And Rob, we are going to talk about the overdose numbers, but just one more point on what you were talking about before and your column out today about these raises. Are there going to be, do you think there will be any fallout, any more reaction? You mentioned that BC United leader Kevin Falcon has talked about this being really out of touch with what's going on with people trying to make ends meet. Is it going to just blow over or do you think there'll be any more pushback or, or conversation about this? Yeah, I think, you know, political staff salaries are part of a larger sort of uh, narrative that opposition governments, you know, and you can take the party names out, they always do the same thing. Governments have staff, they hire more staff, they pay staff certain amounts and oppositions keep track of those, highlight them, call the government out of touch uh, and use that as kind of a narrative. And so the, the opposition, the BC United has been trying to sort of talk about all the new people hired in David Eby's office. He has much more staff working for him, uh, uh, special advisors, uh, people who are uh, in different positions, and they'll continue to advance. This is sort of an, a bloated, um, highly paid on your tax dollars, hyper-partisan Eby administration. And that's not new. I mean, it would be that way if the two parties reversed their roles. So it's it, it's a very sensitive issue political staff, how many, how much they're paid, and all governments kind of have to justify that. I think in this case, though, after having just gone through contract talks with teachers and nurses and social workers and things, who people who settled for around a 7% in the last year pay increase, to watch um, the political staffers for ministers uh, earn, in some cases, up to 17% in five months, is going to be harder for the government to to justify if uh, some of those unions don't like the way that looks. Uh, and I'm sure they don't either. And I thought it was something interesting, too, that you mentioned when you talk about the John Horgan government and what his government had done when it comes to uh, kind of keeping these increases or or how those increases kind of reflect or, or the um, uh, when when Premier John Horgan was leaving that cabinet order linking the raises mm-hmm. to, to those negotiations, whereas this doesn't feel like there's really any link there at all. No, I mean, in the past, political staff, their salaries were raised and, and lowered depending on, you know, the government. They're partisan people and partisan decisions are made by the premier's office to to hire people at certain rates and they have to justify that. What the Horgan government did at the very tail end as he was leaving is he linked, passed a cabinet order that linked partisan salaries to the civil service salaries so that when teachers and nurses negotiate pay increases, those public sector increases become automatic for the partisan staff, the chiefs of staff. And that is new. And and that causes part of this raise. The other part is the government, the EB office decided to give adjustments to people inside the bands. They're all jockeying for competitive rates. And so they started, here's some money for you. Here's some money for you. This addresses an inequity. You were, and then they just started parceling it out. And that, that led to this. And those two things are new and their unique decisions by this administration. And uh, we will see if, if future premiers, you know, continue to do that or, or how they do it. Right, because what's the point of having a link to those raises, to the, the public sector raises, if you're just going to go in and, and, and top them up and add more anyway? Yeah, I mean, the point is people want to earn more money. You know, <laughs> that's, <laughs> sure. that's the point. And, and, and it's the job, I think, of a responsible sort of um, sensitive political apparatus to say, I know you work hard. I know you probably in the private sector would earn more, 
But this is the threshold you can make here because these are public dollars at, a, at an affordability crisis. And the extent to which the EB uh, administration didn't do that, didn't see it, potentially doesn't understand it, or worse, doesn't care about how it looks, that's the sort of political fallout of this. Because I can't tell, I can't, I honestly cannot tell you why they have done this other than people wanted more money. And, uh, that appears to be it, and they're willing to face the consequences of that. Uh, let's talk a little bit as well about the latest drug overdose numbers that were released yesterday, and uh, those numbers still incredibly grim. Yeah, I mean, we are all watching to see if any of the things the government is doing on the toxic drug crisis are working or causing any lowering in the number of fatalities. And it does not appear to be the case. The numbers yesterday, 198 people died in July. We are on track now in the first seven months um, for a record year. We have a record number of deaths. Again, I know we say that every month, but uh, it's extraordinary. Six people a day now dying. And I talked to the chief coroner and she said, if six people died in a car crash today, that would be a tragic news story that people would be upset about. If six people died drowning in a lake, People would be very upset and things would be done to change it. Every day, six people die of toxic drugs, a preventable death. And she feels and has said many times, we're not moving fast enough. We need Her opinion is we need more safer supply. I know that is a contentious issue out there. We also need more and better addictions treatment with less wait times. That system is a mess. Uh, and we need you know more compassion to try and help keep people alive uh, while they go through a recovery journey. Not everyone is ready to recover right away. And some people have relapses and that's just the way it is. The system has to help them. Um, it is not getting better. And we are in, uh, you know, year six, year seven, I think, of the public health emergency there. And it's just astounding and heartbreaking how bad it continues to be. Mm, it, uh, it certainly is. So, Rob, let's leave it there for today. But thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Okay, take care.